social media makes everybody believe their own illusions of perfection because you can post just the right picture on Instagram and do the research and say just the right thing on Twitter, but that's not the reality of life. The reality of life is we fuck up, but nobody's willing to show people the mistakes nowadays. I'm not afraid to make the mistakes. I'm not afraid to say, I don't know. Even at this level where I'm a nationally syndicated radio personality on 80 markets in 100 countries, I don't care if you call me stupid. Welcome to Van Lathan's The Red Pill. On this episode, Charlemagne, the God, author, producer, of course, host of The Breakfast Club and one half of my favorite podcast, The Brilliant Idiots, which is where you might have first heard me if you're listening to this right now. Now, a quick disclaimer, uh, this interview was taped um, around a month ago. It's one of the first ones we got up. And so some of the things that Charlemagne and I discuss, the Dodge Ram commercial after the Super Bowl, um, Justin Timberlake might seem a little bit dated to you, but it's like wine. It just gets better with time when you're hearing this brother's insights. We also discussed Danielle Bregoli, Catch Me Outside Girl, and why she will never, ever, ever appear on The Breakfast Club. Uh, and colorism. Uh, we haven't figured that out in the last month, so that conversation is still pertinent. Um, so pop some pills. Charlemagne is always a good time. You're ready for it. Let's have some fun. This is a huge, huge moment for the Red Pill podcast. We wow. got you, we fin- got, you finally realized that the white man invested some money in you, and you like wow, they have. I can't Look believe at, this. Dog, we got a set. We got a set. My name. Van got red, a set. The whole shit. We, we talked about this. We talked about a podcast like two years ago, and yeah. it's finally happening. But right I now. thought you was just gonna have like a recorder, you know what I mean, nah, and man. a mic. That's not how I didn't we know do you were gonna have a set. That's not how we. And do. you got a production team, and you got cameras set team. up. By the way, a whole production team. Of white people. There you go. You that's know, how you that's, know. Yeah, that's how you know you winning. We just gotta just not sparing any expense around. Either here, you're man. winning or you sold out. One of the two. Are <laughs> 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 are the white people are buying in? Because you can't sell out unless they buy in. That's very true. So maybe they just believe in your talent, man. That's very true. The Red Pill Podcast proudly, proudly welcomes Charlemagne and God. Everybody clap for Charlemagne. Hey, and God. what's happening? It's a big, big deal. I want to say something before we actually move on. Uh, this was not in any attempt to split split up the brilliant idiots. Okay. Um, Andrew Schultz uh, okay. was here last weekend. I would love because I know in the past I'm gonna be real. Andrew has been Schultz, salty when you have done podcasts without him. I that, know this to be that means nothing. You don't care. No. Okay. <laughs> my name is, my name is Charlemagne the God. Andrew Schultz is my guy. We do the brilliant idiots together. Okay? Right. I got you. That this is a Charlemagne the God interview with Van Lathan. Right. Not true. A brilliant idiots. Interview. Very true. That's very very. That's true. my guy though. I salute you, Schultz. I was just having a conversation about how uh, Schultz really probably is one of the best stand ups in the country. I, I gotta be real with you. I think he's right now. You going I think he's the funniest man in the world right now. Listen, people think I'm biased when I say that. I think he's the funniest dude in the world. I saw him at the improv uh this past Saturday. Mm-hmm. Andrew shut shit. Andrew down. is hilarious. If we can just get him to stop uh with this alt-right rhetoric, okay? <laughs> <laughs> All right, and keep the comedy going, mm-hmm. we can have something here, baby. Well, let me ask you something, cause we talk about this. Not not just Andrew, but anybody, you know. He has a certain worldview, and that worldview might not jibe with certain people. Yes. You know, um, but obviously there are things that he wants to do that that some people uh, might be offended by some of the personal views that he has, or anyone, right? Yes. To you, somebody who has a lot of personal views that rub people the wrong way sometimes, Yes. how do you juggle what it is you should and should not say in order to get done what you need to get done. Well, I'm a media personality, so right. that's the difference between being a media personality and a comedian. Right. You know, and Andrew is a comedian. Mm-hmm. So I think if Andrew could find a way to have that same worldview mm-hmm. in those jokes, it would go over better. Right. But when you're just sitting on, you know, the Brilliant Idiots podcast and you got your head, you know, cut like a skinhead and, and, you're, and you're letting this shit fly, people are like, yo, who the fuck is this guy? You right, know right, I mean? right, Like it was right. a point in time where people were lumping him in with the, you know, Ben Shapiro's and the Tommy Lawrence. And I'm, I got to defend this guy. I'm like, it's yeah. not who he is Because he's at not all. that, though. No, he's not, not that at all. At all. He's not and, that. and it's nothing wrong with having a different worldview. I just think he has to find a way to put it, put it in the jokes because his jokes are very smart. Yeah. So he just has to find All his observations are off the charts. They're amazing. So just find a way to have those same 
you know, worldviews that people may think are a little radical and put them in the jokes. Right. And you're good. Simple as that. As a media personality, I can let whatever fly. Right. But I just know, like, it's just certain things I'm going to stay away from because it ain't just worth the hassle. Like, if it, do, if it don't mean anything pers- personally to me, like, mm-hmm. if I, like, I think about that now. Like, if, um, you know, somebody asks me about something, I think to myself, is my opinion on this something going to move the culture forward? Yeah. Is it going to make, you know, this something better? Mm-hmm. Is it going to make people think in a a positive way or just make people think, period? Right. If not, I'm just going to probably keep it to myself. Right. So you feel like there are certain things you have a responsibility to, to not say? Um, Probably. But, you know, it never works because the things I think I shouldn't say are never the things that get me in trouble. Word. That's true. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's it's true. The times you know, when I'm you know just funny? You only get in trouble when you're trying to do the right fucking thing. And when I'm trying to do the right fucking <laughs> whenever thing. Whenever you whenever you're trying to say some fuck shit, yeah. it flies off the handle. But Nobody you, cares. When you're trying to do the right thing is when you get yourself in trouble. Absolutely. It's always like that. Like I can I can literally say some wild shit and be like, oh, that's probably gonna cause some cause something and yeah. nothing happens from right, it. Right, right, right. But then when I'm sitting on Twitter and I'm like, you know, it'd be really dope if a woke woman of color. Oh, don't listen uh, to that. <laughs> <laughs> it'd, be dope. it'd be really dope if a woke woman of color, you know, created a platform to become a voice like Tommy Lauren did. Right. <gasps> well, let's let's go back to that moment real quick, right? Yes. So you jumped out the window and I chastised did. black women. I did, I did. I did. Um, not purposely. Not purposely. Yes. You you did. But let's look. So you said that, because at that time, that was in the, during the time when everyone had drank to Tommy Lauren Kool-Aid, and we thought that she was, you know, doing something that hadn't been done. It wasn't Kool-Aid. It was quiche juice. <laughs> have, you ever, have you ever had quiche gravy? No, I've had it. <laughs> <laughs> I've had it before. But when you said that, there was a, um, a backlash, right? That, absolutely. That, that, that you got. And rightfully so. Rightfully so, absolutely. But out of that, there actually came something that was very positive, which has been your relationship with Angela Rye. Yeah, that was absolutely the night I met Angela Rye because, you know, the, the thing I messed up with when I did that was I should have asked a question. Right. I made a statement. Mm-hmm. And, you know, women of color let me know, nigga, we out here. You right. just ain't paying us no goddamn attention. That's Word. the problem. We, you, you know, y'all ignore us. We, we're, we're, we're not visible to y'all. Right. Y'all don't see us. Yo, we're invisible. And I'm like... Shit, they right. Yeah, and true. so they were like, yo, you know, none of y- y'all aren't doing anything to empower us. Yeah. So, you know, Angela was just one of those women that people were telling me about. And then, mm-hmm. you know, Angela hit me up on the DM and was like, yo, I, I, I get what you was trying to say. I didn't agree with what, how you said it, but I get right. what you was trying to say. And we've been thick as thieves ever since. So, you know, everything happens for a reason. But I was wrong in that moment because I should have asked the question. I should have said, who mm-hmm. are the woke women of color that right. we can empower to combat this bullshit that is coming out of Tommy Lauren's mouth. Right now, how do you learn? Because uh, maybe I should have just kept Tommy Lauren out of it all together. I mean, at that point, she was a hot topic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah, what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. Now mm-hmm. we realize that you know the mayonnaise has gone bad. Ah, but it, mayonnaise uh, spoils quick. <laughs> it spoils quick. You can't keep mayonnaise <laughs> out but a couple days, you know bro. What I'm saying? But at that point, yeah, yeah, she yeah. was a hot topic. It wasn't just you, it was Trevor. Everybody was talking to her. We thought that she was going to be a big thing. It didn't happen. Something that recently went down, because we were having this conversation in the newsroom, mm-hmm. and TMZ, we talked to um, uh, Knowles. Um, what's it? Matthew Knowles. Mm-hmm. Matthew Knowles says that Beyonce would not have been as popular as she is today if she wasn't so light-skinned. I got to tell Matthew Knowles, shut the fuck up forever. You think so? I don't agree you with don't that. You don't agree with that? No, man. Like, First of all, Beyonce is an immense talent. Mm-hmm. Like, 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 like let's, let's, let's put that on the table. Sure. One of a once in a lifetime talent, mm-hmm. a once a generation talent. You don't yeah. see talent like that. Same thing with Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson was popping when he was dark skinned, he was popping when he was light skinned. Right. You know why? Because of his talent. Right. So I think Beyonce would have been the same exact way. Let like, me ask like, you this let me, let me play White Devil's Advocate, as you say. Mm-hmm. Um, part of Beyonce's package is definitely the fact that she's so attractive. Now, you she's don't think beautiful. so? She's a beautiful woman. But I never looked at her and be like, yeah, she's a beautiful, light-skinned woman. That's just I know, Beyonce. But what I'm asking is, and I think what he's saying, and because we've you've had a conversation recently with Marla Lenegra that some people mm-hmm. uh, took issue with, you don't think that part of how we view Beyonce as an attractive woman has to do with her complexion? Is that something that we can be aware of? I mean... Maybe subconsciously, but it's not because she's light skinned. It's because her complexion looks good on Beyonce. Hmm. Like you know, I mean, if you think about like all, and I, and I thought about this because I saw when Matthew Knowles said that, and I looked up. I was like just thinking about all the R and B singers who we consider legends throughout time. Diana Ross, 
Aretha Franklin, yeah. Patti LaBelle, right. Dion Warwick, right. Whitney Houston. They ain't red. They not red. <laughs> they not beige. They, they not red, but they not Lupita. You know what I'm saying? Who is though? Lupita. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's a, <laughs> but listen, I love. First of all, I love dark skinned women. Contrary yeah, to popular belief, I love me. I like them yeah, so yeah, black yeah. they almost purple. But what I'm saying is, <laughs> I'm, I'm saying what I'm saying is. Oh shit, wax here. How many dark skinned women had those type of records that Beyonce had, yeah. or had the had the talent on stage that Beyonce had? Like who? Right. I just want to know who. So I mean, listen. I, there's obviously been situations where there have been dark-skinned women that have won. I think when we're having the colorism argument, we're having the same argument that we do when we talk about other things. Mm -hmm. The colorism argument isn't whether or not dark-skinned women can succeed. Mm -hmm. It's whether or not dark-skinned women do succeed. You feel yeah, what I'm saying? But you got to show me. I need a comparison. Like when you say, when Matthew Knowles said Beyonce. Forget about Beyonce, right? Because okay. Beyonce would be an outlier. Well, well, give me, give me the dark-skinned woman who was extremely talented who didn't succeed in entertainment? I, I can't give it to her because we don't. There's a possibility that we never met her, right? If if colorism is really a barrier, okay, that's stopping people from getting to the point that they're supposed to be at, the woman that we're talking about, we might not have been introduced to her because of things that stopped her from. Getting now that's a chance. the conversation. Are, right. are, are are dark skinned women not getting the opportunity? Meaning they're not getting signed, or they're not getting in the door to be. Well, that with. The, that, that's actually that's what we're talking about. Oh, okay. Right? Because if you're talking about like, because my thing is if we're talking about uh, you know, dark skinned women who actually have been signed and right. who have ha who have gotten the opportunity, like you know, Kelly Rowland or um the the, the brother, the, the, I said the brother Jermaine Dupri talked about uh, Dondria, I think her yeah, name yeah, yeah. was. Yeah. Like they were actually signed. Right. And they had the opportunities to succeed. Did they not pop off because of their dark skin or just because they didn't have those joints? Because when Kelly had a joint, she, was, she, she popped. When she had that joint with Lil Wayne, it was, yeah. it was gone. It popped. Let me ask you this. The conversation with Amara LaNegra, that's been, because it's early in the year, you haven't had as many Charlemagne, we hate Charlemagne moments. I only get one a year. You only get one a year now. That's about one. You're down to one a year. Yeah, I'm down to one a year. So this, is this one going to be your one, or do you expect another one? I, I didn't expect this one. <laughs> so they, <laughs> they usually happen around the summer, fall time more so than uh, early in the year like this. So, Pill Poppers, in case you don't remember, Amara LaNegra, who is on Love & Hip Hop Miami now, she's mm -hmm. a, um Afro-Latina yes. singer um, and performer, came on The Breakfast Club. And she talked with Charlemagne, and there were some people that watched the interview that thought that you weren't receptive enough to her claims and her uh, her issues that she was kind of talking about colorism, and that you and Envy specifically uh, acted like colorism wasn't a thing. No, that wasn't the case. I think that we were conflating two different issues. I think you know she was talking about colorism that happens in Latin America. Absolutely, 100% agree with that. Colorism that happens in society of America, absolutely 100% agree with that. But I think that the issue got conflated when we I was talking about uh, colorism in Hollywood. And I specifically right. said, like, I, I don't even really see that in Hollywood anymore. I said, I think that things are changing right. a lot. Right. You know, I didn't say things were changed. Right. I said, I think things are changing. So when you started hearing me name these women, you know, the Issa Rae's and Tiffany Haddish or whoever, just all of these different women that are prospering, I was talking about colorism in Hollywood. I mean, even somebody like a Marilyn Negra, she's she's prospering right now because of her look. Yeah, It's because she has, you know, the dark skin and because she had the afro. Her look is what's making her stand out and be unique. So clearly things are changing. Not changed, right. but changing. Specifically in Hollywood. We were talking about Hollywood, but I think people feel like uh, I was talking about society at large. When, when you... Because we have a lot of conversations about what it is that you do not know. There's a lot of people that expect people to know certain Jesus things. Jesus Christ, man. Make me sound like the stupidest motherfucker. That's alive. not what I'm saying. Charlamagne, we have a lot of conversations about the shit you don't know. No, I said that you don't we know don't shit. know. I, oh. No, no. Oh, I said, we, that, right. I said well, we. <laughs> I didn't say what you don't know. I said what we don't got know. You, got you, got you, got you. And I, I think that sometimes people get caught up in uh, being incredulous when it is that when someone doesn't know something they think that they should. Know. Yes, absolutely, okay. especially in this era. Especially in this era. So how do you do it? Because in the Lamar in the Marla Negger interview, there are people that are saying, rather than assert what you thought that you knew, you should have been asking her more questions. I was asking questions. Y'all didn't like the questions I asked. Like when I said to her, mm -hmm. you know, are you sure it's not all in your head? 
I wasn't. Think about that though. I get it. But 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 put yourself in a different. I'm not trying to convince you that you. But think about that question. The way that question is phrased. Mm-hmm. Because if we're sitting and having a round table right now with a bunch of white people and they're telling us about racism, they look at you go, "Nigga, you sure it's not all in your head?" I I totally understand how that came off. But mm-hmm. and, and and I told you this already. The sure. reason I asked her that question is because of my experiences as a black man in the entertainment industry. Right. And I specifically told you about you know a, a, a meeting I had with a president of a major network, and I'm sitting in the meeting and we having a conversation and he's running down my resume and you know he's a white man and he goes boy are you doing good ah, yeah you told me about that and i'm like in that moment i'm like is this nigga tripping is, yeah does he mean like boy <laughs> like like white racist word michael Evans would be do, disappointed in when me you, when you said that to me what was my response you was like oh fuck oh, no nah, I'm not, never ever never and, never but but in my mind i'm like am i in my head right now or did mm-hmm. he really just Call me a boy, and that's right. and, and by the way, that's just a natural uh, uh, thought process that most black people in America have in these situations because yeah. we always waiting on a white motherfucker to try us, right? Yeah, yeah. and that's just the truth to the matter, and right. and that's something I don't even think white people understand. Like mm-hmm. when we walk in the room, we're walking in the room as black men who feel like we got to defend a whole community. Before of people. Before you even get there, I feel like my blackness assaults. There them. you go. So when you so so when I asked her that question, it was based off my experiences mm-hmm. in the entertainment industry. Sadly, when you're in the room with three people and everybody's asking questions, I didn't get a chance to explain that, and that's my fault. You know, right. I, sh- I got to be a better communicator than that. Right. I can't just say things like that and leave them out there for people just to, you know, uh, figure out what I said, you right. know? Come right. to, so, so that was my fault. So there's something right now, because we have a lot of conversations and we agree, but I like it better when we disagree, because that's just the way my, mm-hmm. my, my, my brain works. We disagree on something pretty big right now. What is it? The Dr. King Dodge Ram commercial. Oh, yeah. Real, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. We, I don't know if we disagree. You said that you don't like his voice. This is what I said. I'll, put, I'll, say, I'll say it right now. I said, to me, I don't like hearing a Dr. King speech and seeing all of this stuff with his voice. And then at the end, it's saying, buy a Ram truck. To me, it seems a little bit weird. It's off-putting. Well, let me ask you a question. Sure. When the last time you listened to a Dr. King speech before you heard it on Super Bowl Sunday? That's fair. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and by the way, title, title put up, oh, no, no, no. Title put up wait, a playlist wait, wait. of Dr. Listened, King speeches. But I was about to say, I listened to him on his birthday. Okay. Because title had him on his thing. Okay. I guess... And your and we should say what your position on this is. Your position is that my position. A lot was, of people were upset, and yeah. you didn't think it was that big I, of a deal. I didn't even see it. I was I was sitting on the couch watching the Super Bowl, and I saw the thing come on the screen that said, "On February fourth, nineteen sixty-eight, Martin Luther King Jr. gave the speech." I forget the name of the speech. It was the fifty-year anniversary. Speech was of the about speech. serving. It was, it was about, about serving. The, how you can be great as a human being. Yeah, it had a if name you, though. I can't, I can't remember the name of it. Yeah. I had to be honest with you. I'm gonna be real with you. I had never heard that speech before the commercial. I had heard I had heard the service part before. Okay, I did the service part before, but it was the 50 year, 50 year anniversary of the speech, and I'm thinking it's Black History Month. The Super Bowl was played on February 4th. I was like, oh, this is very thought out. Right. Like, that's, a, that's this was initially what I thought. I didn't even know it was a truck commercial. Literally until the next day. Wait, did you not see the end of the commercial? I was caught up in Martin Luther King Jr.'s speech. Wait, and I so was, wait, wait, wait. So the commercial was so dope, you didn't see Ram. I didn't pay no attention. Maybe I went into the kitchen to go grab another chicken wing. I don't know what the fuck I did, <laughs> right. but I was listening, mm-hmm. and I was listening to him talk about service and servitude, and it was showing all of these different service people. And I was like, oh, that's dope that they paid homage to Martin Luther King on the Super Bowl. It wasn't, it wasn't until the next day when everybody was like, Oh, the Dodge Ram commercial with Martin Luther King Jr. I was like, oh shit, that was a Dodge. That was a Dodge Ram commercial. Yeah. Now that I think about it, right. but it's like, I just thought it was dope that they was paying homage to Martin Luther King Jr. on the right. 50th, 50th year anniversary of that speech. It's not like he was selling motherfucking cigarettes you, or beer I, I get or it. Hennessy. But do you think that there's anything? There's got to be some bone in your body that thinks that there's something distasteful about taking a speech about service with Dr. King and turning it essentially. Into consumerism. Well, that was the, now that was the better argument that I think people should have had because in that same speech he talks out against consumerism right. and capitalism. Yeah. That would have been a, that was a better argument to me than just saying, "Oh, his vocals shouldn't be used for stuff like that." Listen, man, I'm a, I'm a stern believer of putting the medicine in the candy, right. and I think now more than ever in this era we do have to find a way to get those that old wisdom into the ears of these young motherfuckers because yeah. they need it. 
Like, we were listening to I Have a Dream speeches just because they were coming on CBS on Martin Luther King weekend. They, used, they weekend. did it on the Cosby Show. On the Cosby Show. show. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Like, they, they, I don't think these kids are getting that information. Are we, by the way, are we allowed to say the Cosby Show? Are we allowed to have fond memories of the Cosby Show? Yes. Why, why can't we love Heathcliff Huxtable? So you can still love Heathcliff Huxtable, right? He was now. a character. Right. I ain't say I love Bill Cosby. Charlamagne, I don't know if we can like Heathcliff Huxtable. Listen, if Lena Waithe can still love Different World and her production company is called Hillman Grad Productions... Bill Cosby's alma mater, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Or Heathcliff Huxtable's alma mater. Huxtable's, yeah. Love so the universe. Okay, well, listen, I'm just making sure because what we're going to do right now is we're going to say that we have fond memories of the Cosby show and then somebody's going to get all pissed about it. Why? Sure Those fond memories don't go away because... Bill Cosby is a serial, or alleged to be a serial rapist. Right. Like, those fond memories don't go away. Like, I can't, I can't forget how I felt about a situation. Like, you can, like, it's just like when a team uh, violates in the NCAA and you take all their championships. No, motherfucker, I saw the game. I know, but. <laughs> like, I, I, like, I saw the game. I get it, but the, banners, the banners do come down, though. That's, that's a fact, but so we do still you think saw that, the game. Do you think that Cosby's banners, I just, I guess, let me ask you like this. A lot of these situations we're dealing with uh, in this this era of allegation, I call it. We're mm-hmm. in the era of allegation. Yeah. How much of this stuff completely erases the legacy of people? And how much of this stuff is an indictment on the cultures that allowed it to go on? Like, when we talk about this, I, I, I get that Weinstein is an animal. I get that these guys are animals. But how much are we at fault? How much is, is everyone that was involved at fault? Like, how do we start to separate those? Oh, things? I don't think we're at fault at all because, I mean, me and you, we just consumers at the end of the day. We weren't yeah. having drinks with Harvey Weinstein. Or we, but the, we, the city was. The city was, but that's their fault. They was aware of that behavior, and they said nothing about it. Right. And that's usually what happens when you let shit just build up, build up, build up, build up, and eventually explodes. Right. And that's what we're seeing right now. We're seeing an explosion. Because you trying to tell me that Hollywood didn't know what was going on all of these years. You think the music industry didn't know what was going on all of these years. All of them are involved because all of them probably was doing it too. Right. So now it's just like, all right, you take the fall. Don't you bring us all down with you, goddammit. Yeah, I mean, for uh, real. Right? Because <laughs> like, that's all it looks like to me. Dude, I took a picture of Russell Simmons at a Halloween party one time, and I, was, I put it up on Instagram, and they, they destroyed me for it. I mean, the thing with Russell, man, Russell is a uh, – Russell is a uh, is a. Uh, I mean, all of these all of these cases, but especially guys like Russell, like people that we actually know are interesting to me because – and I've said this since Cosby. Taking away – Due process is very, 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 very dangerous. And there is no due process in the court of public opinion. Well, and there shouldn't be. And there shouldn't be. But court of public opinion shouldn't uh, try you and convict you either and cause you to lose your motherfucking job or cause you to have to step down from somewhere, like like cause you to lose an endorsement deal because of public opinion, because of he say, she say. Like when are we well, going? When are we going to get some real proof on the table for a lot of these situations? Okay, so he, 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 here's the the quandary with that, right? Mm-hmm. Because we have to pr- protect victims, right? The victims are the ones that really deserve to protect. Them. Absolutely. If in fact someone feels that they have been wronged, the moment that they say that, what is the public supposed to do? If when the public looks at it, right? First of all, if if it's a one situ a one on one situation that he said she said, mm-hmm. that's kind of like the Aziz and Zari thing, right? And that could kind of go either way. But at the point that fifty women, forty women, thirty women, twenty women have made allegations, it's very difficult to. Listen, you know what I'm saying? I agree with you, but I mean, if you're really trying to take down powerful people, you can you can you can put some things together. Did you hear the guy today that tried to extort Charlie Walk? Did you no, hear that audio? I, I, no, I did not. Oh, hear. nobody heard that audio? No. The guy called Charlie Walk's phone and basically told him either you step down and uh, we're, uh, 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 he basically was weaponizing the Me Too movement. Right. That's basically what he said. He, he weaponized the Me Too movement and he said, if you don't do this and this, I have these women ready to come forward for, for you to step down. It was like an extortion plot because Charlie Walker mm-hmm. saying he's being extorted and he had the right. voicemail to kind of prove it. Right. And I'm like, yo, that can possibly happen. Where people can take this real movement, this real shift in our culture, and that weaponize is, it, and weaponize it just for personal vendettas because they know that the allegations are enough to take somebody out. I just a, just the mere allegation is enough to take somebody out. I read That's tweet, dangerous. I read a tweet from a woman, and I think I showed you that tweet on the group chat. We talked about it on the group chat. Uh, where the woman said, "Listen, if some if a couple of innocent guys have to go down." For us to get to a better understanding and a better footing in society, I don't care. Yikes! I don't. Agree See, with she that. said she. That's what she said. I saw that. I remember that. So, 
I, I, listen, on, on its face, that seems preposterous, right? But let me put it to you this way. If one, let's say that you could eliminate racism completely from the face of the, face of the earth, but a couple of innocent non-racists had to go down for it, would you be down for that? I don't. I, I really don't know, to be totally honest. But I do. I, I I will say I would be because I think that's how God works in a lot of situations. Mm. Meaning that when it's natural disasters, you know what I'm saying. Innocent people do get killed. But we come together as a society. Yeah. Or even yeah. I mean, if you believe in drone strikes, you got to kind of believe in the Me Too, Times Up movement, right? <laughs> right? If you're not if you're not against drone strikes, because you know that some of those insurgents right. are just innocent people over there minding their business that don't have nothing to do. Some of them are are, are janitors that are working. That's at these, what I'm yeah. saying. Listen, I listen, I'm all for the Times Up Me Too movement. I think that eventually we are gonna get to a place where we can organize things correctly. Right now it's just a real messy closet. You think that it's irresponsible the way it's being conducted in some cases? Oh I, I can't necessarily say if it's irresponsible because it's just some Something new. We've never seen this before. This is literally like a purge. Right. Like it's a culture shift. I can't remember. I don't remember a culture shift in our society. Like I didn't. I, I like didn't. This. I didn't. I didn't grow up in the civil rights era. You right. know what I'm saying? Like I like this. This feels like a real live culture shift. Like it's gonna be a better place for women after this. And as a as a man with two daughters, I'm all for that. You know. So I just think right now it's just like a real messy closet. Like clothes are everywhere. Like you know how you you find you, you get a lot of free promo shit. So I'm sure I'm sure your room I'm sure your room and your closet looks crazy because you're always getting a bunch of shit. I, I never got nothing free. Yeah, right. You're always getting a bunch of shit and just throwing it all over the place. Right. But eventually somebody's gonna go in there and organize that closet and they're right. gonna put the hoodies with the hoodies and the pants with the pants yeah. and the sweaters with the sweaters. Cause right mm-hmm. now everything's being thrown together. The Weinstein's are with the Azizes and mm-hmm. the, the 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 Azizes are with the Cosby's. Like, oh wait a minute now. It's like wait, I don't think this is necessarily rape and this yeah. isn't necessarily let's organize this i yeah. think i think eventually that's gonna happen so the the super bowl just passed we, we we talked about that um you watched the game i'm assuming yes i did so you did not boycott the nfl this year i told you i wasn't boycotting the nfl i know we talked we, about we had this conversation but there's a lot of people that still tell me all the time that i can't both support colin kaepernick and watch the NFL at the same time. That's absolutely fundamentally not true. Tell me why. Because I, you say somebody like Diddy was at the game, mm-hmm. right? Diddy is somebody that we've know that we know for a fact has had conversations with Colin Kaepernick. He's donated to Colin Kaepernick. He don't, Diddy gave one hundred and fifty thousand dollars to the Breakfast Club, and we did our radiothon, our Change for Change, and we raised money for the Gathering for Justice movement, which is a fiscal sponsor of Colin Kaepernick's Know Your Rights Camp. Mm-hmm. So Diddy gave one hundred and fifty thousand to that, and when Colin was doing his um, million dollar pledge, Diddy donated to that as well. So we know Diddy is out here being vocal, and we know Diddy is putting his money where his mouth is. Diddy has a freaking Charter school in Harlem, for God's sake. So, so how are you going to be mad at him because he went to the NFL? See, the problem is we as black people have to realize that we're not a monolith mm-hmm. and that we all have different methods. But if we all have the same goal, that's all we should be focused on. That's what happened with Markham and Mountain, Markham and Martin and Malcolm back in the day. Mm-hmm. They would have done way more together as opposed to, you know, uh, chastising each other for the way they do things. You yeah. know, Malcolm was always calling Martin Luther King Jr. and Uncle Tom and a coon right. and the white man's nigga. Mm-hmm. But who got more done, Malcolm or Martin? <laughs> when it came to legislation, Martin Luther Martin King, King Jr. There is no Civil doubt. Rights Act of 1964 without Martin Luther King Jr. And I love Malcolm. I think Malcolm X is a transcendent. I think a, you needed Malcolm. You, you needed had to both. have him, right? You needed the shining black man. It's the yin and the yang. Yeah. I don't want to deal with this radical Negro Malcolm. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go I'm going to deal with Martin Luther King Jr. Specifically to the NFL though, do you think that there's anything to be gained by an NFL boycott because as we speak right now Colin Kaepernick has not been signed by an NFL team and it's very unlikely that he ever will be. Do, the 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 people that call for the boycott, do you feel like they were wrong-headed? No, I don't think they were wrong-headed. I just think it's a lot of layers to it. I mean, number 1, it's a lot of it's a lot of brothers in the NFL that we know are on the right side of history. You know, the Michael Bennett's and those guys. Those guys are using the money they get from the NFL. Eric Reed, Malcolm Jenkins. Eric Reed, Malcolm Jenkins. They're, they're empowering the black community with their dollars. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. they're, 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 they're giving black people jobs. Like, they're, they're fighting the good fight. Like, and we need economic empowerment. Mm-hmm. So how do I just say F 
those brothers. You know what right. I'm saying? Like, don't those brothers deserve our support? Like, those, those brothers are taking knees and shit, too. Like, they're out there still protesting, fighting a good fight, saying Colin Kaepernick need to be signed. So shouldn't we be supporting them in some way, shape, or form? Do you before? think that the NFL has been in any way exposed as a racist organization? Yeah, which is also very uh, tricky because Colin Kaepernick gets signed. So then we turn our blind eye to the blatant racism that the NFL shown just because Colin got signed? Right. Don't you think that's kind of some sucker shit? I, it is. My question is, as black people, when we know as, first of all, not even black people, because let's, let's broaden it, because I don't know too many white people that would support something that they thought was out now racist. I mean, once you educate, the only thing you can do for people that you're trying to bring on your side of something is educate them to what's going on. Oh, explain right? that again. So you don't think it's too many white There's people. There's a lot of white people that I know that mm -hmm. if they knew a thousand percent that something were racist against me, they would stop supporting it. Got you. I okay. know a lot of people like that, right? Got you. So, um, because there's a lot of white people and all kinds of different people that were in on this fight uh, against the NFL and were supporting Colin Kaepernick as well, right? We saw that all over the place. The question is, once we know something is racist, and by the way, I'm not saying this as somebody who boycotted the NFL. I didn't. How do we then make an impact on it to change its practices if we continue to financially support it? Well, well, once we know something is racist, then that's when we completely pull the plug. That's why I was like, you know, when Colin Kaepernick was, when he still, you know, with his lawsuit against the NFL, mm -hmm. you know, I was hoping that he could prove that. Cause and we had this conversation. I was like, "Yo, if he can prove real racial bias, and they pull up like emails, actual collusion, and yeah, stuff like that. then we like, God damn, now I, we got a problem. Now we, now we, <laughs> that was really difficult to watch right. goddamn football on Sunday. Now right, it's like was, I can't. Now and but but listen, we asking too much of ourselves as well because the players. Them black brothers in the league, if Colin was to find this out and find out that the NFL is truly indeed a racist organization, mm -hmm. they got to make a stand. Yeah. They're, the, they're the ones that got, they got way more to lose than we do. All we got to do is turn off the TV. Right. They're the ones that got to be like, oh, nah, I'm not playing. I'm not fucking with y'all no more. I'm not yeah. playing this sport no more. I'm not playing for y'all racist motherfuckers no more. Mm -hmm. And I think that would have way more impact than us turning off the television, by the way. So for you, last year, year or two, you've come – a little ways. You've gone from being an entertainer to like a voice. I would say like this is happening like yeah, two years. You've gone from being somebody who uh, made us all laugh, which you know you still do, um, but to being somebody that people look to for actual wisdom. Right? They want to know what you think on a specific issue, so they want to know how maybe they should be thinking on it, or or how or or, or what what's trending as far as your mindset is concerned. What has that been like? What is it like being going from the guy who, you know, would get a loving hip hop star on the show to having Hillary Clinton on the show? Like, is there an extra little bit of responsibility that you feel? Um, I think with with any 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 form of power comes responsibility, mm -hmm. right? And um, I remember Chuck D tweeted one time. He said something to the effect of, you know, bef whenever I want to, whenever I, I'm confused about something, I go I go get Charlemagne's take on it. I'm like, this is fucking Chuck D. <laughs> from public enemy tweeting right. this about yeah. me but it's like it's a responsibility that I don't want to think about and the reason I say that is because when you start thinking about it then you start thinking that you got some type of crown and you start thinking uh -huh. that you know your word is really bond and you start thinking that you know what you say actually matters in the grand scheme of things and I don't I don't feel that important I'm just a human being trying to figure life out and you know as I grow and I as I gain more experiences I'm just sharing those experiences with my, with my people right. simple as that do you now feel more pressure in any way to nah. be a certain way nah not at all because I mean at the end of the day the easiest thing is always to be yourself right. and like so if you hear me sometimes and I may sound confused about something it's because I am you know what I'm saying? I'm a I'm a I'm a constant work in progress. Like that right. never stops, and I'm not afraid to reveal that to the world. See, we live in this society where social media makes everybody believe their own illusions of perfection, mm. because you can post just the right picture on Instagram and do the research and say just the right thing on Twitter, but that's not the reality of life. The reality of life is we fuck up. Mm -hmm. The reality of life is we make mistakes, right. but nobody's willing to show people the mistakes nowadays. I'm not afraid to make the mistakes. I'm not afraid to say I don't know. Even at this level where I'm a nationally syndicated radio personality on 80 markets in 100 countries, I don't care if you call me stupid. Did y'all catch that? 
Wait, wait, wait. Did, actually, y'all, did y'all just catch Charlemagne talking this shit right there? Actually, 150 countries. Did y'all, did y'all catch? I just want to make sure I'm y'all, because he does that, because he's a humble dude, but he drops that shit in very, very but, subtly. But that's just a fact. I, I'm saying. Like, I didn't make any of that up. I know, like, but those, the way you came off with those stats, you stunting on us. That's, I, but th- that's a fact. I feel you, though. I got so, you. But, but if I imagine having that in your mind every day. I'm talking that. 80 different markets in America and 150 It would change countries. the way you present things and that's start whack. preaching to the choir. That's whack. Yeah. I don't want to be like, and that's what I hate about this era. Everybody's preaching to the motherfucking choir. Yeah. Like, I, if somebody's telling you exactly what you want to hear all the time, somebody's lying. People are afraid of that social media backlash. They're afraid to get on social media and ask a question. Are afraid to get on social media and really say what they think about something because they don't want everybody attacking them and calling them stupid and this and that. Who cares? Mm-hmm. I'm not afraid to make mistakes and I'm not afraid to grow in front of What do of you people. feel like the most unpopular opinion you have is? What do you think uh, that a way that you think and you know nobody fucking agrees? I, re- I, re- I really don't know. I mean, because when we talk about against know. the grain, there, there, there are certain things. You know that that pop up in, with me with my worldview, and I know people don't agree with me. I know they don't agree with me, and it's almost sometimes when you get those thoughts, you feel like you shouldn't think them. Yeah. But yeah, the yeah. ones that are truly revolutionary and out of the box are actually the ones that you should be thinking. Yeah. So for you, there's nothing that you just think, ah, oh, man, like you know that's really crazy. Let me put that in the closet. Nah, it's not because I'm not that type of like I'm not a malicious person. Like I'm not I'm not ever thinking anything that I feel like is gonna hurt somebody. Like what I truly really want to do mm-hmm. is bring people together. You know what I mean? Right. I'm I'm I got a lot of Martin in me where I say I really want to live in a world where people are judged by you know the content of their character, not the color of their skin. I even you know evolving in 2018 and say color of skin, or sexuality, or religion, or gender. Like I just. I just like good people at the end of the day. And I think that good people need to come together and fuck people need to die. Right. <laughs> it's not difficult. Like, who can't agree with that worldview? Who can't agree with that? That good people need to come together and all the fucked up people in the world just need to die. Let, let me. <laughs> What's wrong with that worldview? I'll fuck with it. Uh, you know, I you know maybe a little bit of compassion for the fuck people. Yeah, fuck them. No, no compassion nah, for the man, fuck people. No, man, we gotta, and that's one thing that we have to start doing. We have to start treating racists like they're just coming to earth. Start treating homophobes like they're just coming to earth. Start All treating right. sexist, misogynistic people like they're just coming to earth. Like we have to start shaming these people. Make mm. them feel bad, bad about, it, right. about their behavior. And make them examples to the rest of society so they know what happens yes. when you're that type of person. Angela Rye always screams. This is not normal. Right. We have to start saying that. This is not normal. If you hate somebody just for being, right. you're not normal. Word. Like you hate me just for being? Yeah. I am not, I didn't ask to be it's black. It's fucking crazy when I, you think about yeah, it. Yeah, I didn't, I mean, this person didn't ask to be gay. Like yeah. she didn't ask to be born a woman. Like you just hate me for being. Right. Fuck you. Ship from the World Star Island. <laughs> what goes on? Wait. What goes? What goes on on World Star Island? If you've ever been on World Star, you can. Oh, that's what that's what happens. Uh, all, all of those. That, that, that's crazy. Think about a whole island. Yes. With just World Star shit popping. That all wouldn't the time. scare you. That's fucking. Think about frightening. Think about the content. We from the south, so we yeah. grew up believing in heaven and hell and stuff like that. Think about how this this fictional place called hell that nobody's ever been. To tell us exists, right. scared us to death to act right. right. Imagine if we actually had a goddamn World Star Island where yeah. we would send you yeah. if you were a fuck person. With Takashi 69. Ooh, and Bonk and all and of them. Bonk, Ooh. Bonk. Can you imagine Bonk? Ooh, you would act right. You would you straighten up. You quick, would man. act right. What do you think about that new generation when you're talking about? What do you think about the, the tattoos on their face, the Takashi 69s and the Bonks and the... All the rainbow-haired young kids coming up, cutting up, man. Um, it's, it's, I'm conflicted on that because you know, because every generation had they they wild out. Absolutely, every generation absolutely. had they wild. Like you don't want you don't want to sound like the old man in the club. Like I don't understand what these young kids are doing because my father was the same way. You know what the crazy? Up. You know what the crazy thing is though? I really don't understand, and that's fine. Like it's it's not that I'm acting like I don't understand because I wish everybody was like Nas. It's like 
I've tried to it. understand it, yeah. and I really sincerely don't. Well, you know how our fathers felt. Because my father used to think about think about how crazy Method Man bring the pain videos. <laughs> think did. about Method Man and all his <laughs> grimy friends on the train, Bro. hair half braided Bro. out, the white eyeball in. Like, like no, think about how crazy. My that dad shit saw that video with Method Man, and Met, he was like, "Why? Why is hair like that?" And I was like, "Cause it's only half braided." He goes, well, "Why ain't braided the other exactly. half?" Exactly. Meth had the white contact lens yeah. in. Red man would walk around with the snot rag hanging out his nose. Yes, yeah. They had the gold fangs. Like it, right. was, it was a it was a bunch of wild shit that we did in our era too. And our parents used to look at it like, Who, you out your goddamn mind? Yeah. My father, when I had, a, I used to have a big ass afro, and I used to wear the the Oakland Raiders sweatshirt, uh-huh. or the Los Angeles Raiders at the time, and I have them with green cross colored jeans and my Chuck Taylors. And when I started really getting in trouble, my father was like. Oh, you cutting that goddamn afro? You, 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 you think you, you you think you Snoop? Right. You think you Snoop Doggy Dog? You think you Snoop, huh? Boy, got a goddamn murder charge, and right. you want to be like motherfucking Snoop Dogg? Right. And he made me cut my hair. Right. So they used to look at our generation just as crazy. So I'm just looking at these kids now, and I'm like, wow. But the the one thing that scares me is I don't feel like they have the morals, the values, the integrity. The spiritual foundation that we had. Like these dudes right. is talking about worshiping the devil. Like they yeah. just seem evil. Also, we didn't seem evil. There's also a, a, another difference is this. And I, once again, I'm not trying to sound like the old dude, but I, I think that social media has thrown a monkey wrench into this that wasn't available, that wasn't there in the 90s and in the 80s. When mm. all of those guys were doing what they were doing, sure, they look crazy, but they were trying to make records and put get their art out. Very right true. now, Dudes are going in stores, knocking all the shit off the shelves to get likes on social media. There's really nothing redeeming to it. Well, that's our fault. We rewarding the fuck shit. Yeah. We reward the fuck shit. Like, like why does that little Cash Me Outside girl have a record deal? Why? She got, she she, got, she got one song that's popping up. Shut up. She, she got one. I'm, I'm sorry. She she got one song. It's called it's called Bye Bitch or something like that. Yeah, that's what we need to say to her. Bye Bitch. <laughs> we need you to get the fuck out of here. Go to some charm school classes. All right. To keep your little ass in school and get an education. You're like she gonna... don't need a record deal. She need a beating. Let me ask you this. How come you ha- how come y'all haven't had her? how come y'all haven't had her on the Breakfast Club? Never. Yet? And when I, I had that request last year. And I, I don't even remember who sent me the request. They was like, Hey, Charlamagne, would you be interested in Wait, having? So she they was. Let's get this straight. Yeah. It was asked by her people to come on the Breakfast Club. Absolutely. And you said no. I said N O P E period. Right. Nope. What was your reason? Because I'm not rewarding that kind of behavior. Right. Like she literally went on Dr. Phil and was disrespectful to Dr. Phil. Right. And that's why she's garnering all this attention. Mm. Like, no, it's people out there that got real talent busting their motherfucking ass just to get on, to get noticed, to get a chance to be in front of an A&R to perform, and they don't get that opportunity. But she got a whole record deal. Mm. I gave the person who gave her that record deal Donkey of the Day. I can't remember his name. I think it's Mike Karen. Oh, over at Atlantic. At Atlantic. Yeah. Like, like, you get Donkey of the Day for that because, to me, you're just contributing a whole bunch of negativity into the culture. And it makes other kids feel like, well, shit, I can be disrespectful and, you know, talk back to my parents and get a record deal, too. What are we rewarding? Yeah, You know what? It's funny that you bring that up because I saw, and I hate to be negative, I saw one of the, did you see India Love's? Rap video? No, and I meant to watch it because she's fine. She's so fine. Oh, she's beautiful. She's so fine. She's bad. So let, let's let's think of this. So India Love is super fine, right? So as fine as she is, that is how bad of a rapper she is. Well, that's your fault for actually listening to the song. You should have watched the video on mute. I can't though, because it's, it's on my it, like it, it, like I was all it just scrolled through the timeline. You and I listened it. to it. I I wanted. I was curious, dog. So my my thing is this. She's only got a lane. Okay, because of Cardi B. So True. this is my thing. I don't have any problem with Cardi B's, uh, any problem with Cardi B herself. But all the fake Cardi B's now are about to ruin the world. Yeah, and you know what's so sad about them? They don't realize that Cardi B had, is a transcendent star. Absolutely, Cardi B has that certain je ne sais quoi star quality. Right. It's something that you're just born with. Some people have it, some people don't. I don't care how many media training, how much media training you get, how many etiquette classes they give you, you either got it or you don't. Cardi has star power. Right. I saw that six years ago when she was just on Instagram, when nobody knew who she was, when she was 19 years old, I'm like, yo, this girl is a star. They used to think I was trolling. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, Cardi B for president. We argued about it. Uh, we argued about it. I didn't see it then. 
Um, yeah, she's a star, man. And listen, rap, to be honest with you, rap ain't even going to be Cardi thing. Cardi going to pop off in Hollywood. It's going to be television or the film world or something where Cardi really gets that pop. You you you, you mentioned that you didn't let Bad Barbie. Um, That's her name? Oh uh, Yeah, Bad Barbie is her Jesus name. Jesus Christ. Bad Barbie is her name. You didn't, let her on to the, <laughs> you didn't let her on to the Breakfast Club. How do you decide, because we've had this conversation about the Oprah Winfrey show. I had a problem with Oprah for a long time. Mm-hmm. And the problem I had with Oprah. Because you hate black women. Don't hate black women. Love black women. <laughs> don't do that. Because <laughs> we, we talked to Tay Diggs last week. I heard it. And, and you, you talked to Tay Diggs last week. You and, said you know, something really gay to Tay, too, though. What did I say that was gay? <laughs> you told Tay. You said, you got a nice body now. I didn't say that. Yes, she That's did. Not what I said. Yes, you did. Wait, 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 wait. Like, you know, I no, no. I'm going to tell you I the segue. No, 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 the no, 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 Why'd you have your ass on Instagram? Right, right. And then you was like, you got a nice body That's now. You've been working out. I said, I didn't say anything about you having a nice, with him having a nice body. I was like, yeah. What I said. What I said was that he'd been working out. You know what I'm saying? Hey man, whatever. listen. When we went to Grenada and you was on the beach, I was like, yo, man, you been in the gym. Listen, man. Just, I can't say that. Just like swag is just a way for a man to call another man sexy and not feel gay about it. <laughs> Telling a man he'd been working out after commenting on his bad naked ass picture on Instagram. It's just another way to call a man sexy oh without feeling uncomfortable God. about it. I understand, man. It's nah, okay. I was just telling him. This is my man. If, the, I was if saying, you think yo, the man got a nice ass, he got a nice he's ass. Working out. Yeah. Anyway, my point, my question to you is, Bad Barbie didn't come on. How do you make the decision of who you're going to talk to and who you're not going to talk to? The reason why I brought up Oprah was because for a long time, I resented Oprah because she wouldn't have rappers on the show. Mm-hmm. And the problem that I had with that, I know that Oprah was well within her right to, to find some of the content in the music objectionable, to find the depiction of women in, in, in rap to be deplorable, uh, and to overall not want to be a part of what she feels like was putrid and destructive to the black community. That's mm-hmm. what she thought hip-hop was, right? So she doesn't want to have those guys on her show. I thought, though, that she missed an opportunity to bridge a gap between two people who never get to talk. Oprah's demographic was pretty much everyone, right? Mm-hmm. She had the soccer moms. She had the intellectuals. She had everybody from every part of the country. And those are the people that I felt like um, misunderstood young black Americans the most. Those are the people we don't get to talk to. Those are the people we don't get to share ideas with. Those are the people that never see us until we're portrayed on the evening news or in other negative ways. And Oprah, even if she challenged them, could have humanized a lot of these young men to an audience that didn't get to see them. Uh, she's gone now. She's doing her thing, and she's since kind of come around a little bit. But now, places like The Breakfast Club are the new Oprah Winfrey shows. Mm-hmm. And you guys are the ones that have the power to have conversations with people that are going to change minds. How do you make the decision of who's going to come on that platform and who is not? Well, for me, it's just about uh, who has an audience. You mm-hmm. know, if I see that someone has an audience, meaning mm-hmm. someone has you know, uh, contributed some type of art right. that people are gravitating towards, not a stunt, you know, not not some not not some moment you're 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 being noticed for, but I'm talking about like some type of actual art, you know, music or a TV show, or online sketches, anything like that. Mm-hmm. I'll give you an opportunity to have a conversation, you know, and and I just feel like somebody like Bad Barbie, she hasn't contributed anything, right. even if even if she had displayed some change behavior, right. You know, she wasn't that wild girl no more, and she was trying to transition into being a, a real artist. Maybe that's worth a conversation, because I want to see where the evolution came from. Mm-hmm. But just rewarding her because she was wilding on Dr. Phil, and yeah. now she got a record deal because of it? No. So for me, it's just about who has an audience and who's really trying to do something in this artistic realm, mm-hmm. so to speak. You get a call tomorrow, mm-hmm. and the call comes from the White House. President Trump wants to come on the Breakfast Club. Do you take that interview? No, I'm not doing that because I don't, I don't, I don't see the need at this point. Like we've seen, we've seen, you know, when somebody shows you who they are, we should believe them. Like, mm-hmm. what am I going to say to convince that 70 year old crack ass cracker that white supremacy is wrong? <laughs> you know okay. what I'm saying? What am I going to do to convince him that homophobia is wrong? Like, what am I going to say to him that's going to get through to him? Mm-hmm. That is an old man set. In his ways, it is pointless to have a conversation with him. And mm-hmm. guess what? If he, if I did bring him on, I'll be like, "Look, you have to have a. I'll bring him on, but I'm gonna bring um, Maxine Waters 
to come speak to him since you're avoiding people like that. I'm gonna bring Representative John Lewis on. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna really scare the white man and bring the Honorable Minister Louis, Louis Farrakhan. Farrakhan on <laughs> to scare him. You Can know you I mean? imagine the look on Trump's face Ooh. if you surprised him with Farrakhan? Farrakhan, because Farrakhan don't even walk; he just floats on Ooh. the air. If he just floated into the room to Trump, imagine the FOI facing the, off everybody with the Secret Service, service right there. That might be the start of it right there. <laughs> so we got something then, but right. like, what's the what? Seriously, what's the point of me having a conversation with Trump? Well, listen, it, there's two ways. I'm gonna be all, I'm gonna be real with you. If they call me, I will put them on here. And the reason why I will put them on here because Harvey supports them. <laughs> listen, first of all. <laughs> Harvey has turned away from Trump. Oh, yeah? He has. Oh, okay. He said on air that he hates Trump. Really? Um, I missed that one. Which he said it. Y'all should have did a story on that. You should have. Well, <laughs> I mean, listen, you can hate the dude all you want after he's in the White House. I guess yeah. it doesn't matter. At that point, maybe you should have hated him a little earlier. But my, listen, my, my thing is, I, I think right now I, I, I would do it because coming from the platform of wanting to expose exactly what it is that Donald Trump doesn't know on an issue-by-issue issue basis. But we know he's an idiot. I get it. Like, like what do you get out of beating up on a, a retarded kid, man? <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously. If, if you walked into a special use, needs class right I now need you and to started use, beating up on a... Okay, I'm going to say special needs. I, if, yeah, you walked use, into, if you walked into a special needs classroom phrases. and started beating up on him, even if, this, even if this kid was bigger than you, right. even if this kid was bigger than you right. and stronger than you, but you just started beating him up, right. you're not, you don't get no props for that. Why are you right. beating up on this special needs kid? That's exactly how it is talking to Donald Trump. So you wouldn't do that. Exposing Donald Trump. Donald Trump for what he doesn't know. We know he don't know shit. Right. Like, what, what's the point of that? Yeah, I just, you know, I, I think... Because, you know, we, we we had the conversation going back to something that we used to talk about all the time is engaging people that we don't agree with. Yeah. Uh, I, there's no one who I vehemently disagree with more than Donald Trump. But isn't there something to be said, or am I wrong? Do some Americans just not realize how stupid some of these people are? Yeah, and I mean, we you know, we've had this conversation before, and I'm sure this has been going on since the beginning of time. It's this whole idea of engagers and resistors, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you need the engagers like Martin Luther King Jr. to go talk to John F. Kennedy and Lyndon B. Johnson and try to get legislation done. But then you also need the resistors. You need the Nation of Islam. You need the Black Panthers, the people who are like, F that. We don't want to be a part of this system. We want our own. And I think we, we, we initially had that thought process with Trump, until we realize, you know, this is something that we've never, at least our generation, has never seen before. What do we gain from engaging with somebody who clearly does not want to engage with us? Mm -hmm. We are not in Donald Trump's plans. Right. Black people aren't. Jewish people aren't. Gay people aren't. None of us are in Donald Women aren't. None of us are in Donald Trump's plans, so why are we engaging with him? Mm. Look at the people that he's empowering. When you got these people in Charlottesville walking around saying Jews will not replace us, blacks will not replace us, gays will not replace us, you really want to engage in a conversation with somebody like that? I'd rather talk to one of these young kids right. that he may be influencing because right. we got a better chance of changing their mind right. and letting them know that the way they're thinking is wrong as opposed to this 70-year-old cracker-ass cracker <laughs> White devil. And the reason I'm using that language is because we have to start calling people like that what they are. Mm -hmm. It's a difference between good white people and racist, bigoted, crack-ass crackers and white devils. And right. we need some of the good white people. Mm -hmm. Justin Timberlake needs to let a crack-ass cracker fly Does on it, some of these crack-ass Listen, crackers. man, a lot of people are not fucking with Justin now, man. I don't like that. A lot of people, people, a lot of people, a lot of people, especially after the Super Bowl performance, think that Justin Timberlake is now sort of the poster child for white privilege because he, he's a white man. Of I, course he is. I, what I'm saying is that think about it, though. You don't think that Justin Timberlake could have more vehemently defended Janet Jackson when she was going through all of her stuff. And to see him perform at the Super Bowl with Janet Jackson is somewhere not able. Her career was essentially ruined because of that moment. So a lot of people look at JT and he means well. But he just kind of seemed, it seems like it's just more the same. I think Justin Timberlake is one of the white people who uses their privilege to combat prejudice. Hmm. That's what I personally think. And um, Janet could have been at the Super Bowl. Yeah, she chose not to be at the Super Bowl this year. Right. Like I, 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 I can tell you from a reliable source that that was absolutely something that was in the works, that was supposed to happen, but for whatever reason, Janet opted not to do it. She didn't want to do it. So I mean. Like, you know, I don't, I, you, you can't, do you fault somebody for trying to make something right? Mm -hmm. And by the way, 
what was Justin supposed to do back then? Like, what was he? What, what did y'all want from Justin back then when Janet what City I was revealed? I mean, yeah. I mean, dog. I, I would assume that if me and you did something, and remember, Janet Jackson and Justin Timberlake were friends. They weren't just people that were performing together. They were friends. Rumor has it. They, exactly. Rumor, ha- <laughs> Rumor has it. They were fucking. Right. Right. They were friends. Yeah. yeah. So I would assume that if I was in a situation with a friend where we did something together and that friend was taking all, or excuse me, I was taking the full brunt of the consequences for that, that somebody else would step in and go, yo, I was there too, at yeah. the very least. Correct me if I'm wrong, because I, 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 you know, I, my, my, my mind isn't what it used to be, but I remember during that time, the FCC coming down on everybody. Like it was like a, uh, it was just the like- recorded a- apology. The, the the recorded apology, the the whole uh, fall on your face, the entire me that was all Janet Jackson. Yeah, but wasn't it some? It was like it was almost like the Me Too movement in a way because they were coming after Howard Stern. That's when Howard first started making the transition to satellite because he was like, I'm tired of yeah, radio. It, 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 like they were they, for whatever reason the FCC got real strict. Things got a little bit strict because they saw a black woman's titty on TV. So it right? was bef- it was. After that, it was right. So things got a little bit more strict because okay. they, you know, a, a breast was flashed at the Super Bowl, which is unconscionable. But it wasn't even a, it wasn't even a whole breast. It was it was the nipple and a ring and a nice star. Yeah. But my point is that, you know, whether or not he could have done more or not, it seemed like he white boyed her a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I, to be honest, with you, I don't even remember that situation wholeheartedly back then. I just remember bugging like, why why are they tripping off a titty we didn't even really see? <laughs> I didn't see no areola. You saw areola. Dog, I did. Oh, uh, yeah, remember. I got to go back and watch it. Dude. I did, because I, I had TiVo, that. and I, I I froze that motherfucker. It's Janet Jackson. Yeah. But, if, but if that is the case, I do see where Justin should have stepped up more. And by the way, based off what we've seen now in 2018, that was sexual assault. <laughs> 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 like, let's change the narrative a little bit. Justin Timberlake sexually assaulted Janet Jackson in 2004, and yeah. for whatever reason, America victim blamed... <laughs> Janet Jackson, <laughs> right? Oh, we need, somebody need to talk. We need to really have a conversation with Justin about that. You, if you got Justin Timberlake on the Breakfast Club, absolutely. Would you ask? We need to have a real in-depth conversation because I don't. I was younger than so I don't really remember that whole situation. What you mean? Just in general, like I don't remember the backlash. I don't remember exactly what the backlash was for because I, I thought both of them were in trouble. Well, they they were <laughs> theoretically they were both in trouble. They were yeah. supposed to, but really she took it all. She took it all. It really kind of it, it, it ruined her. Why haven't you had him? It, ruin- it ruined her. Justin's been there twice. Justin's been to the Breakfast Club twice. It ruined her. It did. It 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 without a doubt. Penny from Good Times took it without a doubt. Janet took a chunk out of Janet Jackson's ass without a doubt, dog. I I never looked at Think Janet about any other way. It, you didn't. Her legacy never changed. Me. Her legacy hasn't. Her legacy can't change. I mean, Beyonce control. came along. Beyonce came along, but Beyonce, Janet was out of that. But Janet actually. Took a major step back after all of that. The really? whole nation called was calling Janet Jackson a whore, man. It was it was really. You, what the hell were you I doing? I swear, at this I don't time? remember that because I remember. What, what like what? What what the? What I remember the Janet fuck? with Jermaine, and that was a big deal. Like, yeah, like, that was oh, a big shit. Janet, Jermaine think about that. Janet. Think about that. She was in such bad trouble with America that she fucked Jermaine Dupree. Stop it. Think stop about it. The, I'm not going to act. Stop like, it, think, man. Jermaine's a, a cool dude. Jermaine's a fly dude. <laughs> like, Jermaine can bag a bad chick. Listen. Jermaine's you know back, more bad chicks. You know why Jermaine got Janet? Why? Because he had the confidence to speak to her. Right. Janet is so beautiful and, and so iconic that she probably went to plenty of club wanting some dick yeah. and wouldn't nobody talk to her. Right. I mean, looking Jermaine around, Dupree. thinking to herself, I would fuck this shit out of this little motherfucker and that motherfucker. Not right. even, not even the sexy flexy dude. She right. just wants some dick, and nobody talked to Janet. You know what? And if you look like Jermaine Dupri, you probably like what the fuck? Feel like fuck it. He fuck shot it. his shot. Fuck it, yeah. And got that pussy. Yeah, he did for a while. And there was rumors that they were back together for a little while, right? Yeah, they should have never been apart. Yeah. You ask me. So unless you let her break up and go marry a billionaire and then divorce him, divorce him eighty right, right when you get that <laughs> money, <laughs> when you get the money, and then y'all get back together. So let me ask you this, bro. You know, we talk a lot about evolution, and we like to finish the podcast with this question. What would the Charlemagne at the beginning of his career just got, just get, because you started off in radio uh, in Columbia? Oh, Charleston. Charleston, South Carolina. Charleston. What year was that? Jams. I started off as an intern in 1998. Intern in 1998. It's my 20th year in radio. So all the people out there that think that you're some sort of overnight success that happened in the last 10 years and whenever you got with Wendy, they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. No. Right. Not, not even close. If, the, if that version of you could see this version of you, 
could see the man that you are today, what do you think that they would say? Um, I, I would pat him on the back and say, I told you not to be afraid to make mistakes. Mm. And, you know, those mistakes, every mistake that you made made you the person you are today and put you in the position that you're in now. Mm -hmm. Because everything that I thought was a loss was actually just a lesson. And I never, ever... You know, I got fired from radio four times, but every time I got fired, I ended up with a with a better radio position. It's right? crazy is you got fired. Rumor is you're wearing a hat right now, right? Yeah. So Rod Nation had four 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 on the side of it. The rumor is that you Jay -Z, got fired. Yeah, Jay -Z, had you fired? Jay Z got me fired in Philadelphia. I mean, I don't know if that's true, but when it happened, and this is on record, you can go look at a Vlad TV interview that I did. I said, yo, I don't know if Jay Z got me fired or not, but it's gonna read very well in a book one day. Mm. And that book is called Black Privilege. Opportunity comes to those who create it. It's a New York Times bestseller. It was my name's in Times. that book. My name's it in the is. New York Times bestseller. It is. It was on the New York Times bestsellers list for seven weeks, and the paperback comes out in April. Word. Yes. What, where's, the, where's the next book coming? Um, In the fall of this year. I'm working on it right now. What's the name of that? Um, Can I say what the name is yet? I don't, know, I don't think I can say what the name is. You can't say what the name is, you, yeah, but you sure. have a name. Because, but yeah, because the name is coming out in the paperback. When the when Black Privilege paperback comes out. Oh, you know what? I know the name of the book. You know the name of it? Yeah, we talked about it. Oh, yeah, duh. Yeah. But <laughs> but but it's, it's in the paperback, so yeah, I, yeah, I'm not, yeah. I can't talk about it until, until April. Uh, Vlad TV, any more of those interviews coming? Nah, I doubt it. I got, I got love for Vlad. Vlad is somebody that always supported me early on. Um, but I just don't like the direction the site is went in. I feel you. You know, and, and it's, it's no knock to him. You know what I'm saying? I just, it's just some things I'm not doing. Like it's like it's certain interviews Vlad does that I turn down. Right. Because that's not what I want to contribute to. Like there's absolutely, positively no reason to be interviewing the woman that Tupac allegedly raped. Mm. Why? Why are you me tooing Tupac? <laughs> He's dead. <laughs> He's dead. He served his time. Now, now, now listen. He paid his debt to society already with that situation. Why are you me too and Tupac? Now listen, okay. So we asked the question. Now we got to talk about it because that interview is when the interview that Vlad did. That interview also went up on TMZ.com mm -hmm. from Vlad's site. Uh, whether or not you think that it's something um, that needed to be done, and I'm not arguing for the interview right or wrong, do you think that there's anything newsworthy about knowing that account? Being that so many of these things that have happened. Mm -hmm. Personally, I was not a huge fan of the interview either. Okay, mm -hmm. But do you think that that interview is basically just par for the course as to how things are going right now? Uh, so many of these accounts uh, that uh, go back years and years and years and years. When we're talking about this Bill Cosby shit, some of this shit goes back to the 60s and the 70s, dog. If all of those women are doing interviews, why not this one? Because the difference is Tupac has always maintained his innocence, but mm -hmm. he was found guilty and he did his time. So what is the point of what's the point of, of of number one, her rehashing the story? And what's the point of Vlad giving her a platform to rehash the story? It actually it just seems like it's, it seems cheap and it seems like a ploy for attention on mm -hmm. all parties. It seems like a ploy for attention from the young lady. It seems like a ploy for attention from Vlad TV. And personally, I feel like the Breakfast Club, we don't need that. I don't want no parts of it. Like, like why? Like, the man is dead. Right. The man was shot and killed. Why are we trying to revise history or change the narrative of his, of his legacy or, you know, uh, reopen old wounds. There's people out there that probably have never gotten over Tupac being killed, his friends, his family. Mm -hmm. And now this is what you're doing? Mm -hmm. Like, and, and these are pro it's probably people out there that, and I'm not saying this woman is lying because I don't know, but it's probably people out there that know this woman is lying. All right. Like, no. And they're like, why, why are you giving her a platform to continue to tell this lie even in this man's death? Huh. And if she is lying, that's the real piece of shitty to be lying on a dead man at this point. You get like I, I just well, don't understand. I don't. I don't know what the well. What we the should point we, is. we should say you know everybody can go watch the interview and make their own decisions about yes. it. Um, and she looks very stupid when she says things like I put my lips on his dick, but I didn't suck it. <laughs> Tupac has always said this young lady gave him head on the dance floor, but she says I put my lips on his dick. But didn't suck. Charlemagne the God. I don't even know how she won. I don't even know how that got over in court. I don't. Johnny Cochran would have ate her alive. Right. Listen. Right? I, listen. <laughs> listen. Well, I think it's important to say 
um, that for whatever reason, you know, a Tupac did serve his time for that. I, I guess the 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 problem that I had with it, if there was a problem that I had with it, was, you know, it, it, there were no questions about it. The 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 Tupac went to jail. He needed Johnny Cochran. So Johnny Cochran would have said in that courtroom, if she put her lips on the dick, you must have quit, <laughs> and Pac would have been a free man. Okay. <laughs> All right, yo, you know what we gonna do? We gonna get Charlemagne up out of here before. <laughs> I appreciate you, today, brother. I know you had a lot to do, man. Yes, sir. What are we plugging? Like, what can we? Um, the paperback, the paperback for Black Privilege Opportunity comes to those who create it. It'll be out uh, in April. Um, I got a new book coming out this year. Keep listening to The Breakfast Club, my nationally syndicated radio show. Oh, and uh, Noriega, my man Nori, his show On The Run Eating starts February 28th on Complex. I'm the executive producer of that. That's been a, a, a year and a half process, two-year process, but we finally got it off the ground. It's went from a couple networks, but now it's found a home at Complex. And February 28th, you'll be able to watch all eight episodes on complex and he's you know basically the acronym for nori is niggas on the run eating <laughs> and the show is called on the run eating Word. and he's going to different restaurants eating with some of your favorite celebrities so february 28th on complex tune in the nori show all right cool we're gonna have Charlemagne back again um at some point in the future this podcast when we do we're gonna tell a story about how I beat wax ass you in grenada beat his ass in flip -flops I, beat in the, grenada. I, I beat the trash out oh, of you wax. Talk about in boxing yeah oh Oh, I didn't see that. Oh. <laughs> I missed that whole. Well, I missed the flip flops thing. basketball thing, we've already been over that. But I'm about to whip his ass again. I appreciate. Can it. I say one real thing, real quick? What's up? I just want to, like, when it comes to the whole uh, colorism thing. Um, I, sure, I, yeah, yeah. I love, I love, I love taking bullets for things like that because it leads to a broader conversation. Word. You know what I'm saying? And and like I think right now the conversation is about the struggles that Lat that that uh that Afro Latinos faced in Latin America. And I think that it's a lot of things black people in America don't know about the Afro Latino struggle in Latin America. But I think when you start to do the the, the knowledge to it, you realize that their struggle is a lot like ours was the same thing. here in America. Yeah. So I think that once we both realize we have those things in common, we can come together mm -hmm. you know and i think once we come together more here in america because we need each other right now oh without you know a doubt. Saying? i think that black people brown people did you hear from a lot of afro latino uh, latinos when after that went down yeah like my people like people that i know like my man laz alonzo and like Great actor. other afro latinos that i've had conversations with definitely reached out to me because they 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 were making sure i didn't have things misconstrued but i just feel like we all need to come together because this year especially is a voting year Mm -hmm. And, you know, we need to get the House and the Senate back. And I think black and brown people need to be on the same page, along with the good white people, mm -hmm. you know, and the good you gay just, people. Right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. We need to all be on the same page no so we can go vote in these blocks, man, and get this evil out of the motherfucking government right now. I feel you. I feel you. Listen, bro, it, we, I keep trying to say it. We talk about it all the time in the conversations we have. We all going to be all right as long yeah. as we're all willing to learn. Yes. To be able to learn as much as we're willing to talk yes. and point fingers, as long as we're all willing to learn. And man. stop trying to understand evil. That's something that I've learned over the past few years. There's no need to understand evil. Mm -hmm. Fuck them. Ship them to World Star Island. World Star Island. <laughs> all right, brother. Appreciate yes, you, sir. man.